Start in Matthew chapter 1. Matthew chapter 1, we are uh, <clears throat> talking about different characters of the Christmas story. And uh, we have, uh, so far, we've talked about Mary and Joseph. Uh, we've talked about Herod, uh, the uh, villain of the Christmas story, last Sunday night. Uh, Thursday night, we talked about the shepherds. Uh, tonight, we're going to talk about, preach about the angels. The angels. So if you find your place, stand with me as we look at this portion. I'll have you go to another portion. Matthew chapter 1, <clears throat> we see here in verse 20, the Bible says, But while he, that's Joseph, thought on these things, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a dream, saying, Joseph, thou son of David, fear not to take unto thee Mary thy wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost. Down to verse 24. And Joseph, <clears throat> excuse me, being raised from sleep, did as the angel of the Lord had bidden him, and took unto him his wife. Then flip over to chapter 2, and let's look at verse 13. Chapter 2, verse 13. And when they were departed, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream, saying, Arise, and take the young child and his mother, and flee into Egypt, and be thou there until I bring thee word, for Herod will seek the young child to destroy him. Let's pray. Lord, bless us tonight. Pray that you'd uh, speak to us. Pray that you'd help us, Lord, as we uh, look at this uh, subject in your word. Help us to understand the things, God, that would help us, uh, Lord, uh, of course, as we look at some practical application, Lord, and what that means to us. And, and just speak to us, we pray now in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. I didn't have you turn there while we stood, but go and flip over, if you will, uh, to Luke. Let's go over, over to Luke. Of course, uh, Luke is also part of the Christmas passage as far as just kind of gives it from a different perspective. Matthew is uh, kind of from Joseph's perspective, and Luke is from Mary's perspective. Luke chapter 1, look at verse 26 through 28. It says, In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God into a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin espoused to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary." And the angel came in unto her and said, Hail, thou art highly favored. Uh, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. Then, of course, the angel delivers the message uh, that uh, she was going to be uh, with a child from the Holy Ghost, which was going to be the Messiah. Verse 38, And Mary said, Behold, the handmaid of the Lord, be it unto me according to thy word. And the angel departed from her. And then flip over to Luke chapter 2. Luke chapter 2, of course, this is the most famous part of the Christmas passage that most of us uh, will read in our families uh, or have read or so sometime through the year read. And we see here, uh, and I, uh, for sake of time, I'm probably not going to read all of the passage here, but what you see is the passage we read on Thursday night when we talked about the shepherds, uh, because along with the shepherds were the angels. Let's read a few verses here. Let's pick it up in verse 8. And they were in the same country, shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And here we go. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were sore afraid. And the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be unto, uh, unto all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And, for, uh, and this shall be a sign unto you, you shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. Look at verse 13. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill, 
toward men. And it came to pass, as the angels were gone away from them into heaven, the shepherds said one to another, Let us now go even unto Bethlehem, and let us see this thing which has come to pass, which God hath made known unto us. So what you find out is this. All through the Christmas story, from the uh, Annunciation to Mary and Joseph, uh, right up through the birth of Christ, and even after the birth of Christ, uh, when uh, Jesus was a couple years old, uh, you see angels being involved in the birth of our Savior. Now, most nativity scenes usually have an angel present, and uh, you'll see that a lot of times, and, and uh, you'll, you'll see maybe above the nativity scene or beside it or whatever, an angel. And uh, so the Bible has a lot to say about angels. By the way, they're not just in the nativity scene, they're all throughout God's Word. And so we're going to kind of chase that through the Scripture this evening, by no means do an exhaustive study. Again, this would be a weeks-long total study, but I'll kind of give you an overview here as we look at at, uh, the angels. And I don't know about you, but uh, I think about them. And uh, I think about uh, uh, kind of like Elisha's servant. Uh, I told the young people this this morning. We were talking about the character trait of courage and why we as Christians can have courage to live for God because the Bible says that He will never leave us nor forsake us. Amen? And God's presence is with us. But you know, God also gives His angels charge over us, the Bible says. And uh, so we have guardian angels. That is something that's biblical. And I was telling the young people that this morning and we use the illustration of Elisha's uh, servant when uh, uh, they were uh, there in the valley and the, uh, the Assyrian army was surrounding them. And Elisha's servant, man, he was, he was scared about what was going on. And uh, he was all freaked out about it. And Elisha, whether he woke up from a nap or whatever he was doing, he wasn't worried one bit. And he told them, he says, hey, there's more with us than with them. Well, the guy didn't know it. He didn't know what was going on. Uh, he wasn't spiritually aware as the man of God was. So Elisha just prayed a simple prayer and asked God to open the eyes of the servant and he did, and the Bible says that he saw those angels and chariots of fire surrounding them. I don't know about you, that comforts me, amen? What an encouragement. By the way, uh, you know what? Uh, As as many as there are bad angels, there's twice as many good angels than bad angels, amen? Because we know Lucifer, when he fell from heaven, took one-third of the angels with him, so that means to every one fallen angel, there's there's probably more than that, because some of those fallen angels, the Bible says, are reserved in chains of darkness forever until the time appointed when God releases them during the tribulation period. So let's just say this, folks, and uh, be of good cheer, amen? Not only do we have the Spirit of God, the Word of God, we got God's army protecting us, amen? Now, why in the world we got to be afraid of as Christians, right? And so, uh, anyway, let's talk for a few minutes about the subject of angels. The word angel comes from the word which means a deputy or a dispatch. means a messenger of God. Uh, we see that in the Old and the New Testament. The word angel means both. It means a messenger. Most of the time in the Bible, when you see the word angel, it's referring to the, uh, uh, the uh, part of God's invisible creation that's part of His realm of creation from time to time, you will see the word angel, when it means a messenger, may refer to, I think I said this Thursday night, to a, to, to a pastor. Can you believe that? God would refer to pastors as angels. Amen? Y'all aren't looking like you believe that very much. Amen? Maybe fallen angels sometimes. Right? Who said that's right? My son say that. What in the world? Amen? You're not supposed to say man in front of that. And uh, But uh, I know so. But most of the time in the Bible, it refers to angels. So again, folks, I don't have time to get 
uh, give you everything about it. But just as we go through the Scripture, let me give you a few things about it tonight. First of all, what's the purpose of an angel that we find in the Word of God? Why did God create them? What was the purpose? Well, here's what we see them doing throughout Scripture. They were used to deliver messages from God before the Word of God was completed in its entirety. Okay, now listen, we're living in the dispensation where of grace, the church age. We don't need angels to come and talk to us in dreams. We don't need angels to show up in visions and tell us things, folks. Let me tell you why. We got something better, amen? We got the eternal Word of God that's been established in heaven before the world began. You think about that. I mean, a lot of Christians, oh, I've got to read the Bible. You understand what the Bible is? How, how supernatural and powerful it is. And, and, and listen, folks, we think, oh, man, if God would just appear to me. Let me tell you something, folks. We got it better than God just appearing to us. Amen. We every day, as much as we want, have the very infallible, inspired, preserved Word of God. Man, that's powerful, by the way. But before the Word of God was given in its entirety, God would use angels to deliver messages. You find that all throughout the Scripture. I just read some of those instances uh, for us in the Christmas story. But you find that all throughout the Old Testament. You find them appearing to Abraham. You find them appearing to um, Samson's parents. And and all throughout the Old Testament, uh, you see the angels appearing and delivering messages. Not only that... God used angels to pass God's judgment. Uh, G- Genesis chapter 19, you read the story where God sent angels to destroy the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah. In 2 Kings chapter 19, God sent angels to smote, uh, smite the camp of the Assyrians. In 1 Chronicles chapter 21 verse 15, God sent an angel to destroy uh, part of Jerusalem because of David's disobedience. In Acts chapter 12 verse 23, uh, and we talked about this last week, God sent an angel to smite Herod uh, for his pride, and uh, he was uh, he was killed, of course, by that angel. So angels were used, yes, in delivering messages, but also in passing of judgment. What else do we see about angels? We see that angels worshipped and praised the Lord. Psalms 148, verse 2, Praise ye Him, all His angels. Praise ye Him, all His hosts. Revelation chapter 5, uh, you see one of the scenes that's going to be in heaven right after the rapture. And what you see here, the Bible says, And I beheld and heard the voice of many angels round about the throne, and the beast and the elders, and the number of them was ten thousand times ten thousands and thousands of thousands. And that represents, folks, those elders, uh, the, 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 four, the 24 elders there, represent all the saints from all ages along with the angels. And you talk about a worship service that's going to be one of these days in heaven. Amen? I think about what that's going to be many a times. And as much as my finite mind can grasp it, I imagine being there and being part of that great throng of uh, of heavenly host and, and all the saved worshiping God before His throne. That's going to be a wonderful time, by the way. Amen? I hope you're excited about that. Revelation chapter 7, And all the angels stood round about the throne, about the elders and the four beasts, and fell before the throne on their faces and worshiped God. Man, I'm going to tell you, folks, that's going to be an amazing thing. So angels worship and praise God. What else do angels do? We talked a little bit about this already, but angels, God gave them to protect man. Genesis chapter 32, And Jacob went on his way, and the angels of God met him. 
And when Jacob saw them, he said, This is God's host, or army. And he called the name of the place Mahanaim, which means a double camp. And uh, by the way, uh, Jacob, uh, the reason the angels of the Lord met him, if you understand the context of that, Jacob was on his way to meet his brother Esau. And if you remember that story, Esau was coming to meet Jacob with 400 men. Well, if you understand the history between Jacob and Esau, that wasn't a welcome, welcoming committee. Okay, That was a slaughter committee is what that was. And by the way, where do you think Jacob got the idea to send messengers to meet Esau? The angels of the Lord, they protected him. Psalms 34, verse 7, the Bible says, The angel of the Lord, think about this, folks, think about what this verse says. The angel of the Lord encampeth round about them that fear him and delivereth them. Okay, Proverbs talks a lot about uh, fear of the Lord. Okay, and, and that it's the beginning to wisdom, it's the beginning of knowledge. There's some pretty big benefits from fearing God. One of those is the fact, if you fear God, God sends the, the, the angels of God to put a, a protection around you, and they camp about you. Amen? Psalms 91, verse 11, For He shall give His angels charge over thee to keep thee in all thy ways. Matthew chapter 18, verse 10, Take heed that ye despise not one of these little ones, for I say unto you that in heaven their angels do always behold the face of my Father which is in heaven. Man, I tell you, that's a powerful verse. You know, these uh, uh, people out there that uh, are, are offending little ones and for, for sake of who's in the room, I'm not going to say anything more than that, but I think you know what I'm talking about. I'm going to tell you, I'd be living in fear to commit something like that. Because the Bible says their angels are always beholding the face of the Father in heaven. Amen? You talk about God's direct attention to something, and the angels are bringing that attention uh, to God. Now, many, many illustrations I could give you about the protection of angels. I think of own protection of my own life. I told the young people that, some of the stories this morning. I was talking at the dinner table today to uh, some of my family about it. But I think if we all thought back, we could think back of time where, you know what, we were supernaturally protected from something in our life, something bad. Uh, here's just a simple thing, and, and uh, many times I've been driving before, and I put my signal on to change lanes, and I don't hear a voice out loud, but I hear the very tangible thought in my mind, look over your shoulder. And I do, and there's a car in my blind spot. I'm, I, that's happened to me many a times, so much to so now that part of my driving that I do, part of my habit, when I'm changing lanes, I do that. I put my signal on, and before I change, I glance over my shoulder. Amen? Now, those angels of God, uh, they must know I need protection when I'm driving. Amen? And, uh, but, um, and that's just one, for instance. And by the way, for every instance you do know where you can think back where God supernaturally protected you, how about all those instances we don't even know of? You know, just a few weeks ago, that accident that was out here in 41. You know, my, 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 my girls were only probably 20 minutes behind that accident. And you know what? Maybe God, and I don't know for sure, I didn't really talk to my wife about all the details, but maybe they got delayed that day. Maybe the stoplight lasted a little longer that day or whatever it may have been. And by the way, folks, again, God has His angels charge over us. That's why it's important uh, to uh, be in the will of God, by the way. Because let me tell you, you step out of the will of God, let me tell you what you're stepping out of, the protective hand of God. Amen? And uh, so and I'm not saying that sometimes God doesn't allow tragedy to strike and allow bad things to happen. He does. We know that's true uh, in many biblical examples. Job is one of those. But I'll just say this, folks. Nothing's going to get to you if you're in God's will if God doesn't okay it. 
Amen? That's why you can safely trust in the Lord with all your heart. Here's an awesome illustration. The Reverend John G. Patton was a pioneer missionary in the New Hebrides Islands. He told this story. He said, hostile natives surrounded his mission headquarters one night, intent on burning the Pattons out and killing them. John Patton and his wife prayed all during that terror-filled night that God would deliver them. When daylight came, they were amazed to see that unaccountably the attackers had left. They thanked God for delivering. A year later, the chief of the tribe was converted to Christ. And Mr. Patton, remembering what had happened, asked the chief what kept him and his men from burning down the house and killing them. The chief replied in surprise, Who were all those men you had with you there? The missionary answered, There were no men there, just my wife and I. The chief argued that they had seen many men standing guard, hundreds of big men in shining garments with drawn swords in their hands. As they seemed to circle the mission station, so the natives were afraid to attack. Amen? Only then did Mr. Patton realize God had sent his angels to protect him. And I've got even modern day missionary stories, I don't even have time to tell you tonight, of modern day missionaries, some of them probably our very own missionaries back there, that can tell you similar stories where God sent His angels to protect them. Amen? Aren't you thankful for that, by the way? That God loves us enough to watch over us and care for us? Number five, we see this, they were... Angels were used to protect and minister to Jesus when He was on earth. Uh, many, uh, uh, many of uh, uh, passages of Scripture on that. Matthew chapter 4, verse 6, And He saith unto him, this is Satan talking to Jesus, If thou be the Son of God, cast thyself down, for it is written, He shall give His angels charge concerning thee. And in their hands they shall bear thee up, lest at any time thou shalt dash thy foot against a stone. Matthew chapter 4, verse 11, After the temptation, then the devil leaveth him, and behold, angels came and ministered unto him. And all throughout Jesus' ministry, the angels were there, and at times, God allowed them to come and minister to Christ when He was here on this earth. By the way, was it not Jesus that said in Matthew 26, verse 53, Thankest thou that I can't now pray to my Father, and He shall presently give me more than twelve legions of angels? Think about that for a minute. By the way, here's a thought that came to me this morning when I was praying. Remember when Jesus in Isaiah 53, it talked about how that He opened not His mouth? You know maybe the reason He didn't open His mouth because the angels were standing guard waiting for one single word to come and decimate mankind because of what they were doing to the Creator. And Jesus on purpose didn't utter a word because of the power within His Word. Amen? And so uh, the angels were there ready, uh, and at times they did, to protect Jesus when He was on this earth. You think about that time when, I uh, think about where um, He was teaching, and He got the crowd riled up. By the way, that's what good preaching will do from time to time. Amen? It's going to rile up a crowd. And uh, uh, they wanted to uh, uh, push Jesus off the cliff. They were, gonna, they were literally going to throw Him off. And the Bible says He just went through the midst of them. Now, I know He was the Son of God and He had that power, but maybe those angels just threw an invisibility cloak over Him or whatever it was, and He just went through the midst of Him. But all throughout the Scripture, you find in Jesus' ministry, I'm sorry, all throughout the Gospels, the angels there helping Him through His earthly ministry. Number six, God will use angels at the end of the tribulation to supernaturally gather the saved of the earth to Jerusalem. Mark chapter 13, verse 26 and 27. And they shall see the Son of Man coming in the clouds with great power, 
power and glory. And then shall he send his angels and shall gather together his elect from the four winds, from the uttermost part of the earth to the uttermost part of heaven. And again, that'll be a supernatural feat that the angels will do there during that time. Number seven, when, uh, uh, when Christ will come back to establish uh, his, his millennial kingdom, there'll be angels that come that will be part of that. Matthew 25, verse 31. When the Son of Man shall come in His glory, and all the holy angels with Him, then shall He sit upon the throne of His glory. By the way, when Jesus comes back there at the battle of Armageddon, and all the uh, armies of the earth and the Antichrist are all gathered there to fight against Him in that valley right outside of Jerusalem, the valley of Megiddo. You know what, folks? He's not even going to need the backup, okay? King Jesus is coming on His horse. By the way, we're with them. The armies which were in heaven followed Him upon white horses, clothed in fine linen. That, that's all the church age, amen? And then all the host of angelic beings. And as if Jesus needed that, all He's going to do is speak and they're going to be destroyed anyway. Man, I'm going to tell you something, folks. As I said this morning... As a Christian, we're on the winning side of this thing. Amen? There's nothing to be discouraged about because God has, and He's going to make sure the victory is won. And so they'll come with Him during that time. The Bible tells us that some of the angels are warriors. And again, I'm not for sake of time, read it all. Uh, but the Bible talks about many a times angels fighting and doing battle. Uh, we know that Michael is named as one of the angels. Uh, Michael, Gabriel, and Lucifer are the only three uh, angels that are named. I believe they were the archangels in heaven. Lucifer, uh, he, the Bible says, was the anointed cherub that covereth. And if you read about who he was before he fell, I believe Lucifer was the leader of the worship in heaven. I believe Michael is the leader of the warrior angels and Gabriel is the leader of the messenger angels. They're the three that are mentioned. No doubt they're all named, but only those three are mentioned. We know that angels use swords. The warriors use swords. Many a times the Bible talks about an angel with his sword. In 1 Chronicles 21 we read that. We know that angels are used to fight against the wicked. Listen to these verses. Let them be in Psalms chapter 35. Let them be as a chaff before the wind, let the angel of the Lord chase them. And let their way be dark and slippery. Let the angel of the Lord persecute them. Amen? I'm going to tell you something, folks. God fights even, we know He's going to do it one of these days, but He still does it here. He fights for His children. Amen? And God will use angels to defeat the wicked. How about this? I love this thought. Amen? You know the angels escort the saved to heaven? Man, that's a good thought. I love that. In Luke chapter 16, and it came to pass that the beggar died, and listen to this, and was carried by the angels into Abraham's bosom. Let me tell you something, folks. When a soul leaves the body, by the way, you're going to be more alive than you are now when your soul leaves your body. Okay? We ain't some just orbs of light floating around. Amen? The Bible tells us what our soul can do. Let me tell you, you'll have more senses once you leave this body than you do have in it now. Amen? Let me tell you, when a soul leaves the body, it's taken someplace. Okay? It doesn't automatically just appear somewhere. It's got to be taken there. When you enter the spirit world, okay, the, the, the laws of nature, the laws that govern earth no longer exist, and your soul is either, praise God, taken by the angels to heaven. Man, think about that for a minute. Escorted to the presence of God by the angels. Could you imagine what that's going to be like? Now, I don't know about you. I have been in the presence of some folks that have passed away that are dear saints of God. Let me tell you this, folks. It's not the same as being with someone who doesn't know the Lord. Not the same. 
the, 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 the deaths that I've witnessed before. You know what? It's what the Bible says is falling asleep. There's something that is peaceful about it. There's something that is different about it. And I'm going to tell you why, folks. Because of the presence of God and because of the angels of God. And man, those angels are there waiting. Let me tell you, the Bible tells us that uh, David prayed in the 23rd Psalm, talking about uh, the valley of the shadow of death. By the way, when Jesus Christ resurrected, let me tell you what He did, folks. He removed the sting from death and the victory from the grave. By the way, think about that. The sting of death's been removed. You know what that means? It doesn't hurt for the Christians. I'm not saying that the process that gets us to, to death may not be painful. That's not what he's talking about. But he's talking about actual death itself. Okay? We don't have to fear that as a Christian. You know why? Because the angels are waiting on us as Christians to usher us, in, usher us into the presence of God. Every time I hear of a dear saint passing away, part of me is jealous. It's part of me. Now, I'm not saying I want to go on the next train load. Okay? I love life. I'm thankful for what God gets me to do. But part of me is jealous when a dear saint departs. You know why? Because they get to see things that right now we only know by faith. And into the presence of God escorted by the angel. I mean, that's powerful. Amen? Amen? By the way, you know what? As true as that is on this side of the, uh, of, of the veil, you know it's also true on this side? If the angels came and took Lazarus to heaven, who do you think came and got the rich man? I've heard just as many stories of people who aren't saved and to be honest with you, they're horrific. People singing things, screaming things. I literally heard the story of someone told me that they were with their, I think, a, a parent or a grandparent who was a, a vowed unbeliever. And as they were getting ready to pass over, they kept screaming about, here were their words, the jekylls of hell. As they saw the red eyes screaming in agony as they left this earth. Just as a a soul doesn't just, just has to be taken into heaven. A soul must be taken to hell as well. Amen. And I'm going to tell you, folks, this invisible creation is real. It is real. Amen. And so, angels are there to escort the saved to heaven. Now, the Bible gives us very uh, or gives us some attributes about these angels. Uh, we know this in Psalm 68, verse 17: the chariots of God are twenty thousand, even thousands of angels. Angels are vast in number. The Bible does not give us the exact number of angels, but we know that they are vast. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 22, But ye are come into Mount Zion, unto the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, to an innumerable company of angels. Okay? There's so many they can't be numbered. Alright? So they're vast in numbers. The Bible says they are spirits. Psalms 104, verse 4, Who maketh his angels spirits, his ministers a flaming fire. Okay? Uh, they exist in the spirit realm. Sometimes they can manifest into the human uh, realm. Okay, the Bible tells us that. Uh, sometimes they can, they, can, they can take human form. Genesis chapter 19. And there came two angels to Sodom at evening, and Lot set in the gate of Sodom, and Lot seeing them, rose up to meet them, and he bowed himself with his face toward the ground. And so, you know what? He didn't see orbs of light. He saw them as men. He at first didn't know who they were or what they were, but they were the angels of God in human form. And by the way, Here's a verse for us, for the church, Hebrews 13, verse 2, Be not forgetful to entertain angels, for thereby some have entertained angels unawares. By the way, you know what? Let me tell you one of the, one of the reasons, not just the only reason, one of the reasons we ought to treat people with kindness, because you might just be entertaining an angel. Let me tell you what I believe. I believe that God, from time to time, is going to test His people and His church to know whether or not 
Uh, it's just something, as I said this morning, we say or we are. Okay, And let me tell you why, as, as a pastor, I'm trying to teach us to make sure that as we interact with people, new people that come in, but not just people that come in the doors, people we interact with in the community, as we're trying to be a testimony for Jesus Christ, why we ought to treat people with dignity and kindness is because, you know what, truth be told, maybe God's testing us by sending an angel our, our, our way. Now again, folks, I don't know, no, truth be told, we don't know if they're angels, because the Bible says it happens unawares. You have no idea what's going on, but you know what, it wouldn't surprise me if from time to time, God doesn't send an angel to His church to see how they're going to be treated. And by the way, again, folks, you know what, that's why it's important that we make sure we don't just say a certain thing, but we live it. We see that uh, angels aren't hindered by the laws of nature. The Bible says that angels uh, can't die, Luke 20, verse 36. Neither can they die anymore, for they are equal to the angels and are the children of God, being the children of the resurrection. Angels can't die. Angels have superhuman strength, Second Peter 2, verse 11. Whereas angels, which are greater in power and night, bring not railing accusation against them before the Lord, Matthew 20. 28 verse 2, And behold, there was a great earthquake, for the angels of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone from the door and sat upon it. Okay, superhuman strength. Angels, for some, uh, uh, aren't affected by the laws that we are affected by on earth. For example, they're not affected by heat. We read a verse in Jude, uh, Judges chapter 13, verse 20, For it came to pass, when the flame went up toward heaven from the altar, that the angel of the Lord ascended in the flame of the altar. Okay, they're not hindered by human laws. They have no language barrier. We see Gabriel speaking in the Old Testament, which was the Hebrew, the the, uh, the, the language Hebrew. In the New Testament, he spoke he spoke Greek. They aren't affected by gravity. It says in Isaiah chapter six, verse two, above it stood the, fer- the, the seraphims. It's talking about the throne of God. Each one had six wings. With twain he covered his face. With twain he covered his feet. With twain he did fly. Now again, when we think of angels, we see the art this rendition of angels, and we think every angel may have wings, all right? And uh, unlike, uh, you know, it's a wonderful life, uh, ring a little bell or whatever, okay? Uh, the Bible, the only type of angels that tells us that they have wings are the seraphim and, and the cherubim. And by the way, these are special created beings to guard the throne and the holiness of God. So the Bible doesn't necessarily say that every angel has wings, but we do know that they defy gravity. Uh, we know they walk through walls. Uh, Acts 12, 7, And behold, the angel of the Lord came upon him, and a light shined in the prison. This is Peter. And he smote Peter on the side, raised him up, saying, Arise up quickly, and his chains fell off from his hands. So they're not affected by the things we're affected with. Wild animals can't hurt angels. Daniel chapter 6, verse 22, My God has sent his angel, has shut the lion's mouth and they have not hurt me. We know that angels eat. Psalm 78 verse 25. Man did eat angels food. He sent them meat to the full. By the way, you look up that word angels food in the Greek and you know what it means? It means deer jerky. Amen? And uh, just thought you might like that, All right. But no, they, uh, in, in, in the wilderness, manna, they ate angels' food. Think about that for a minute. Again, uh, so many thoughts we could go different directions with this, but God was so good to His people in the wilderness that He literally gave them the food of heaven to eat. And by the way, you know what they did? They still complained about it. 
I mean, come on, if food from heaven won't satisfy you, you got a pretty uh, a disgruntled heart, amen? Uh, we know this about angels, they don't reproduce. Matthew chapter 22, verse 30, For in the resurrection they neither marry nor are given in marriage, but are as the angels of God in heaven. Angels are subject to God. 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 22, Who has gone into heaven and is on the right hand of God, angels and authorities and powers being made subject unto Him. Angels are made aware of when a person gets saved or rejects Christ. Luke 15 verse 10, Likewise I say unto you, there is joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner that repenteth. We see this, they, they take note of the affairs of Christians. 1 Corinthians chapter 4 verse 9, For I think that God has sent forth us the apostles last, as it were appointed to death, for we are made a spectacle, which means a public show, unto the world and to the angels and to men. We see that angels are amazed at God's salvation to mankind. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 12, Unto whom it was revealed that unto themselves, but unto, uh, unto, unto they did minister, unto us they did minister, the things which are now reported unto you by them which have preached the gospel unto you with the Holy Ghost sent down from heaven. And listen to this. Which things the angels desire to look into. Think about that for a minute. The, the, the angels who have never experienced the gift of salvation have never experienced a, a love of God the way as human beings experience it. The Bible says they desire to look into that great thing called salvation that God offers to mankind. But yet man, a lot of mankind trampled underfoot. I mean, those angels in heaven are, are up there just thinking to themselves, what in the world are they doing? Do they not even understand the price that was paid for them to have salvation? They're amazed at that. How about this? This is an interesting uh, fact here. Angels will be judged by Christians during the millennium. Listen to this verse here. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 3. Know ye not that we shall judge angels. I don't understand everything that means, okay? All I know is, and during the millennium, when the Bible tells us that Christians are going to rule and reign with Christ, Christians that were faithful on earth will have a position of authority. Part of that position of authority is going to be angels. Think about that for a minute. Amen? The Bible says mankind's made a little lower than the angels, but yet one of these days, God is going to give us authority over the angels? Again, I don't even know exactly what that means. All I know is that's what the Bible says. Amen? We see in the Scripture different divisions of angels. We see the seraphim in Isaiah chapter 6, which are high and lifted up and protect the holiness of God. We find the cherubim, which are in Ezekiel chapter 10, Ezekiel chapter 1, and uh, they're the ones that are located beneath the throne of God. We see the archangels mentioned in Scripture, Michael, Gabriel, Lucifer. Amen? So, a lot of different things that we read in Scripture about the angels. Now, here we go, alright? Here's the practical application for tonight. Let me give you three simple things and we'll be done, alright? Number one is this. If the angels who have not and will not experience the love and saving grace of God to the extent that we as human beings have, if they choose to love and serve God, so should we. Amen? And they have not experienced the depth of it the way we've experienced it. But you know what? They made a choice to serve God. By the way, here's what I believe according to the Scripture. When Lucifer fell, the Bible says that his tails, the great dragon, took a third of those stars or those angels with him. I believe when they made that choice, that was the only choice they had to make, whether or not to follow God or follow Lucifer. Because let me tell you right now, folks, angels can't be redeemed. You don't think for one second, once the angels fell and realized, by the way, Lucifer deceived them as well. 
Okay? I mean, he's the great deceiver. You can't tell me that as they're, you know, down here doing the, the work of the devil and all the debauchery and wickedness they're involved in, that maybe it doesn't go through their mind, we chose wrong. Guess what? Their fate is sealed because they chose wrong. So they had to make a choice. You know what, folks? We have to make a choice. Just as I preached this morning, amen? We ought to with the free will God has blessed us with. We ought to exercise that free will and love God and serve God and choose God and obey His Word. Amen? That's what we ought to be doing. If the angels, who, uh, if the angels do it, we ought to do it. Amen? Number two, God uses His angels to protect us when we are in His will. Now don't miss this, folks. That's why it's so important as a Christian to be within the will of God. Amen. Because let me tell you something, you step outside of the will of God, God lifts the hedge of protection, and Satan and all his cohorts have free access to you. That's scary, by the way. You know, a lot of Christian young people, they want to walk away from God, they want to trample underfoot the things God has given them. Let me tell you, that's a dangerous life to live. And they think for, you know, a, a few years because God's merciful and God doesn't drop the boom and, and probably even undeserving to them, God still puts some form of heads of protection around them. If they're getting by with that stuff, let me tell you, you ain't getting by with nothing when you walk away from God as a Christian. Amen? Oh, you still may be saved. Let me tell you, you're opening yourself up to demonic attacks. Demonic attacks. I'm going to tell you, I, again, I, just, I don't even have time to get into it tonight. I'm going to tell you something. It's so, it's, it's, it's so important that as Christians, we stay within the will of God for a life. Let me tell you why, folks. Because when you're within the will of God, think about this, you are immortal until your mission on earth is over. Immortal. You're within the will of God. Let me tell you something. Satan can't touch you. Hell can't touch you as long as you're within God's will. Until He's done with you. And by the way, whenever God's done with us, He's done with us. Amen? And by the way, we don't know when God's going to be done with us. You know, in our minds, you know, we, we all think we're going to live, uh, uh, get our three score and ten, if by strength, four score. That's not God's will for everyone. Okay? I mean, we all know stories. My uncle was a, a fine Christian young man, 15 years old. And guess what? His mission was up when he was 15. By the way, God used his death probably to bring a lot of people to Christ that he couldn't have maybe reached otherwise through his death and through his life. We don't know God's will for our lives. Amen? But all I'm saying is this, until God's over with this, we're within His will, we're immortal. Amen? As long as we stay within His will. And then last of all, let me give you this. Never let a fascination with angels keep you from worshiping God and always giving Him the attention in your life that He deserves. Again, folks, who is saint? He's the great deceptor. Okay? You know what you find out a lot of times? Again, you, you, you see this. This was big, real popular back in the 80s and 90s. You had all these uh, TV shows about angels. Fascination with angels. Okay? And you know what? Saint doesn't mind you being spiritual. In fact, he wants you to be spiritual. He just doesn't want you to be, have the Holy Spirit of God and be spiritual according to the Word of God. Okay? Let me tell you what a lot of people do. They get fascinated with angels and they do what John inadvertently did in the book of Revelation, they get overwhelmed sometimes, or maybe out of ignorance, or sometimes out of stubbornness, and they begin to worship things other than God. Let me tell you something, folks. No other part of the spirit realm needs to be worshipped except God Almighty. Amen? Alright? And by that, I mean God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. 
the, the triune Godhead. That is what only deserves our attention and what only deserves our worship. Amen? And so I'm going to tell you, you, if you're not careful, saint don't mind you getting a little spiritual as long as it takes the attention off God onto something else. And many people have been caught up in stuff like that. I'm going to tell you, the true angels of God would never want your worship anyway. In fact, if you would, as a Christian, try to do that, you know what? Uh, uh, the Holy Spirit real quick would let you know what you're doing is wrong. But you know what? The fallen angels want your worship. Satan wants your worship, but uh, uh, the true angels would never want your worship. So never let a fascination with the spiritual world keep you uh, focused or keep you to lose your focus on what it ought to be in, and that's the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? By the way, God has no problem with us being spiritual. God has no problem with us being in contact with the spirit world as long as it's the right way through His Word. By the way, I was in contact with the spirit world today. Oh yeah, I spent time in the spirit world today. Amen? It's called before the throne of God. Worshiping God. Praying for His help and His blessing. Amen? It sure wasn't through a Ouija board or tarot cards or the occult or any of this other garbage that the world's trying to do. It was through the right path. Amen? By the way, you better be very, very careful doing it than any other path in that way right there. Because let me tell you something, folks. Again, Satan wants you messing with that stuff. Uh, and uh, he wants to get you to open up doors to things that will mess you up spiritually and physically, by the way. Amen? And so, angels, what, uh, praise the Lord uh, for His protection that He gives us through the help He gives us. And again, folks, we do it God's way. It's the right way. It's the best way. It's the most beneficial way. And they were part of the Christmas story. And they're still part of our lives today. Let's pray.